Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm a compliance evangelist, and I'm very pleased and excited to bring to you a special five-part podcast series based upon an interview with Dr. Kyle Welch from George Washington University on his recent paper evidence on the use and efficacy of internal whistleblowing systems. First, a word from our sponsor, Navix Global. Navix Global offers a comprehensive suite of ethics and compliance software, content, and services that helps organizations protect their people, reputation, and bottom line. With more than 13,000 customers, including 85% of the Fortune 500, Navix Global Solutions support the largest ethics and compliance community in the world. Over this five-part podcast series, I take a deep dive into Dr. Welch's paper, and explore why it is so important and significant for the compliance practitioner. We look into the background of why he started to study, what some some of the key uh, information he read uh, to prepare for his research, uh, what he expected or what predictions he had from looking at uh, the numbers. Then we consider what his research found. And finally, we tie it all together with what it all means for the compliance practitioner. This is one of the most significant academic studies for FCPA and and bribery compliance practitioners, and indeed all compliance practitioners. I know you will find this podcast series useful and helpful, as well as the paper, which of course we will link to in the show notes. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. This special podcast series is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again for another episode in my five-part exploration with Dr. Kyle Welch of his recently released paper, Evidence on the Use and Efficacy of Internal Whistleblowing Systems. Uh, First of all, Dr. Welch, uh, welcome back, and uh, thank you again for taking the time to visit with me. Happy to be here. So today, in this episode, I wanted to focus on a little bit of the background that you detailed in your uh, paper. Uh, so could we start with uh, what are some of the key whistleblower laws uh, that uh, impacted you in your research? Sure. Uh, this is a fa- the history of internal re- of, of reporting humans reporting problems that they observe to authorities is uh, is an interesting history. Uh, in the United States, to my understanding, it started back in during the Civil War is, is kind of the first laws that came out related to it. And these laws enabled individuals, if they noticed people defrauding the government during uh, during this this time, were able to report on the misdeeds that were being done to the government, and they received a financial reward. And since then, there have been a number of uh, of similar type of things. One one of the biggest ones that's out there is if you're a contractor for the government and you you observe somebody working for the government doing something wrong, or if you are aware of uh, some mishandling with, with, you know, one of these contractors uh, uh, for, for the government, you can actually report the what's going wrong or the, the incident and related to what, how much the government's being defrauded, you actually can get a financial reward. And so there's been a number of laws you know, since the Civil War, and uh, you know, from a high level, the the federal laws were the uh, 1989 Whistleblower Protection Act. Uh, industries have had their own laws related to it. Uh, you know, in in industries that have a lot of human capital, where problems, you know, when humans make a dis- mistake, it's a big deal. So, you know, in healthcare, there was 1970s health, you know, Occupational Safety and Healthcare Act, and then uh, there's you know been a number of state laws. Uh, California had. 
in you know 1959 uh you know they had uh you know uh, they had an act that was passed related to, you know, Teamsters pushed it through to, you know, uh, false claims and fired employees uh, uh, that, you know, the, you know, protecting them from, uh, you know, coming forward with problems that they observed at firms. The, the two laws that come up the most currently in talking about this related to uh, corporations is Sarbane, the 2002 Sarbanes-Oxley Act and the 2011 Dodd-Frank Act. And if you recall, Sarbanes-Oxley back in the day uh, received initial interest because of what happened with uh, Enron. Enron uh, had done a number of things at the firm. Surprisingly, they had followed a lot of the accounting rules but had broken fiduciary duty uh, uh, with their special purpose entities and, you know, uh, misrepresenting the true accounting of you know the the true accounting of what was going on, and internally in the organization uh, there was a whistleblower, and uh, that person uh, didn't go externally at first. They reported about it internally, and they had a number of negative consequences. And so uh, the Sarbanes Oxley Act, when they were debating it, uh, it was in it was you know it was our government was looking at it, debating on the law, put it on the shelf for a little while, and then WorldCom hit, which was the largest fraud. Uh, uh, financial reporting fraud uh, to date uh, at at that time, and and that made it so that uh, you know this thing went through, uh, and it it made a lot of stiff laws and a lot of uh, there was a lot of compliance that needed to be done related to it. One of the things that came out of it was Section 301 that required internal whistleblowing systems as a way for employees inside the organization to actually report on problems that they observe at the firm. Uh, and uh, that the requirement is, is that that system uh, needs to be uh, 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 basically managed by the audit subcommittee uh, the, the, of the board of directors. So uh, the audit subcommittee of the board of directors looks at the, these reports, looks at the level of the reports, and, and deals with the, the minutiae associated with this. And uh, firms like uh, Navex Global provide the system, and the benefit that they uh, they provide to firms is they provide a way for these fir- these employees to know that they're calling somebody outside the firm, so it's not going to be somebody that recognizes their voice. And uh, it, it it's a firm that is is dedicated to making sure that their data they collect from employees is is uh, sacred and can be trusted and that the you know uh, uh, individuals that want to remain anonymous can remain anonymous in their system and so sarbanes oxley came forward uh, requiring these systems uh, and managers were all of a sudden uh, that didn't necessarily know about them had to deal with these reports and audit committees that didn't know about or you know, didn't have them before, started having to deal with them at that time. And so these reports started being a mainstay of, you know, public companies. Every public company had to have one of these. And it's not just public companies that utilize these systems. A ton of private companies do too. And uh, and even company and non-companies, churches, uh, you know, uh, even, you know, government entities use these systems as a way to find find information. So Sarbanes-Oxley came about, and that was a requirement for public companies. And then the Dodd-Frank came out in 2011. Uh, and Dodd-Frank in 2011 uh, had kind of the opposite effect uh, as Sarbanes-Oxley. Sarbanes-Oxley provided an incentive or uh, basically lowered the cost of providing information to management by requiring these systems. 
Uh, no longer did you have to leave a note, you know, you know, in, you know, written with your left hand under the management store without signing your name to talk about a problem. You had this external uh, uh, resource to use. Dodd-Frank uh, noticed the problem that Lehman Brothers had and other firms had. And the problem Lehman Brothers had was they had a whistleblower that uh, basically used the internal system. And from that internal system, it went to the audit com committee and there was a failure uh, to identify the problem that was noted by the whistleblower and to respond to it appropriately. Um, and so uh, there was it, it was related to an accounting uh, manipulation using repo 105, which was you know a gross manipulation. And, uh, and from that, Dodd-Frank was passed. And a key stipulation in Dodd-Frank is that you can go to the – they created the office of the whistleblower at the SEC. And if you take whistleblowing uh, financial reporting you know, events to the SEC, uh, individuals that come forward with this information can get financial compensation from the government for identifying fraudulently reported financial accounting information by public companies. And that is – that was – that's basically you know, the law essentially – is an incentive to go external with uh, with problems that you observe at a firm, so that you can get a financial reward. And so the two laws are are both in play currently, and employees uh, that ha are observing problems are protected. There's protections for employees under each law in different situations um, and uh, uh, for different types of, of reporting. Was there any um, other academic research that you were able to, if not draw upon, use as background in your research? Yeah, uh, there was. Uh, so, uh, it, you know, there's most of this stuff, most of the things related to internal. So there's a key difference of internal reporting and external reporting. And so internal reporting, what I mean by that is, you know, employees using systems, uh, whistleblowing systems like Navex to go in and say what – they observe, and that report goes directly to management at the firm, people that can deal directly with the problem at the firm. Then there's external reporting, and that, that, that means going to a reporter or going to a government official to report of the problem. Um, and so in looking at the background and research on this, there has been research on it, but most, you know, it's pretty much all been external reporting from academia. Uh, external whistleblowing uh, reports are, uh, you know, were found in a, a, a number of papers is, you know, essentially there's, you know, three or four papers uh, that, that look at these external reports. And they find that they're more common in large growing firms with weak governance uh, you know, usually firms that have poor stock and earnings performance, uh, and that they, you know, once they have these reports, there's subsequent increase in litigation uh, uh, associated with these external reports or people going to regulators or having a lawsuit uh, with the firm. And then, uh, and then these external reports, as they come out, uh, are associated with more severe penalties from the SEC. Uh, in the Department of Justice uh, 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 regulation. There's been some research that shows that firms have responded to uh, the regulation without, you know, not even looking at research, just as a result of the regulation, managers seem to be a little bit more aware of the problem it, that it poses to them that somebody has a financial incentive and so uh, to, to report these to regulators. And so earnings management has been, has been shown to, to be a little bit lower, but that's all dealing with external reporting. And the, and the key thing about our research is that we have this access to this data that is all on internal systems and internal uh, uh, reporting to managers of problems. And you could imagine that that could be similar or it could be different. 
The other research that's been done looking at this type of thing uh, is mostly done by surveys and talking to people that have uncovered problems at firm firms. And so uh, if, you, if, if you look at the research on fraud detection, by a large margin, if you look at the surveys that are taken by, uh, you know, you have your internal auditors and then you have, uh, you know, uh, regulators externally, by a, a huge margin, most people familiar with problems at firms and how they're discovered say that humans, human capital is the way you discover them, that employees reporting on them is the way to discover problems internally at the firm. And we know from the SEC, from uh, from uh, the reports they've had, uh, that this is, you know, for them, even externally, humans are the biggest way that they discover problems also, even before these incentives were there. And so the existing research lets us know a couple things. One, external, if when there's external reporting that happens, there's more bad things that follow. Uh, you know, the, 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 the first... The, the first report that comes out externally via news, via uh, uh, regulator, there's usually more that comes after that. And then second, uh, there's more problems that come after that. And the second is, is what we know from the existing research is that it seems that humans are a key factor in solving this problem and identifying it. Uh, unfortunately, we haven't created an AI or a computer that can just read things and, and point us at the problem. It's Humans are a huge part of this and identifying it. And so as great as big data is, uh, this is, this is a story where humans are needed to be able to uncover and, and, and find problems. So, Dr. Welch, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time for this episode, but I've been visiting with Dr. Kyle Welch on his recently released paper, Evidence on the Use and Efficacy of Internal Whistleblowing Systems. Today, we've uh, talked a little bit about the background, and I hope you'll join us for our next episode where we look at, in more detail, an issue we teased in the first uh, episode, which is uh, what predictions and what did he expect to find. So, Dr. Welch, I look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my five-part exploration with Dr. Kyle Welch on his recently released paper, Evidence on the Use and Efficacy of Internal Whistleblowing Systems. I hope you will find this podcast series as powerful a tool for you as a chief compliance officer or a compliance practitioner that you can have. I hope you will join us again for our next episode. This This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.